You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've gone through this many times before now, and it feels, unfortunately, far too familiar. Uh, Both the atrocity, a, a mass shooting that occurs, and then afterwards, the immediate politicization of it. We're not allowed to have a conversation. We're not allowed to have a discussion meant in good faith to look at what happened here. We certainly can't wait for all the facts to come in. We have to take action right away. That's what they tell us. Before you know what you're even doing, you've got to do something. Before you're aware of what's going on, and they're also using maximum pressure. That's a part of this, too. They're trying to use a pressure campaign to get people to comply and to just bend the knee and say, sure, we'll do whatever gun control, gun violence control measures, whatever they're calling it, you want. Well, we'll get into more of this and and just the way that they're trying to leverage this now. They're going after companies. They're going after uh, businesses that are favorable to the Second Amendment. This is the culture that we live in now. There's a lot of cancellation that goes on, and there's a lot of cancellation that goes online, too. The Internet never forgets, as you know. There's never been a more important time to protect your Internet activity than now. That's why I urge you to use ExpressVPN. Everything you search for, watch, or click online can be tracked by big tech companies. They can match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When I switch on ExpressVPN, my computer or phone, my IP address, all of it is masked by a secure VPN server, which makes it harder for websites to identify me. The ExpressVPN app also encrypts my network data to protect my sensitive information from being compromised. Plus, you can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously, so multiple users on your network can stay safe with a single subscription. Stop handing over your data to big tech companies. Go with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck to get three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash buck right now to learn more. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. We did it before. That's true. And all of the data, including study, uh, study by the Department of Justice that was released in 2004, showed that there was no correlation whatsoever they could prove between less shootings, less gun violence, and the assault weapons ban. Uh, More people are killed every year with knives. More people are killed every year with blunt objects in this country than with assault rifles. But as we know, this is the same back and forth that we have every time there is a mass shooting. And and the focus immediately shifted to gun control almost 100% as soon as we found out who this individual was and what the likely motivations were and were not. I understand that they're trying to claim that there is some connection to white supremacy still when a a Syrian Muslim American uh, shoots up a whole bunch of people in a grocery store and we have no reason to believe there's any tie to white supremacy, but they're still making that case somehow because that's how their brains have just become rotted, unfortunately, with this groupthink. 
but then they move to gun control. When that doesn't work and it's increasingly going to look like it's absurd, they move on to the gun control issue and they tell us all, well, there's no reason you shouldn't do the following things. And there are a lot of reasons that we should not allow for the uh, forced buyback or confiscation of AR-15s. There are a lot of reasons why we should not allow um, people to decide for you what you are able to defend your home with, what you're allowed to defend your home with. And, and there's a viciousness now, too. I, I, I'm somebody who, who feels very strongly that we have to, to start to confront the possibility here that there is a, a mass psychological pandemic going on, going on um, alongside the viral pandemic that we have right now. I mean, the amount of psychological damage to this country that it, that it has done to itself as a result of lockdowns and COVID panic propaganda is incalculable. But if you spend a few minutes on this app, you get a pretty good sense of how angry and crazy the mass hysteria crowd has become. It's a big problem. That's what I wrote last night on Twitter. I think it's very true. Uh, you see this not just on social media platforms. You see this in general discussions of what's going on right now in the media, that there's a nastiness, there's a viciousness. They want to go after people who disagree with them. They, they, want, they want to find ways to look at, our, look at their fellow Americans and say, you're immoral, you don't care. You see, my position, when we talk about gun control and we discuss these issues, my position is that their ideas don't work and infringe on liberties. Their position tends to be reduced to you're a bad person if you don't agree with me and uh, you should do exactly what I say or else you're a monster. And if, if you want examples of it, I, I could sit here and we could spend the whole day talking about this. We could just go through all the different people who are claiming that if you don't agree with their gun control measures, you're a bad person. Here's uh, Sonny Hostin, for example, who's a TV host. And here's what she says about owning an assault rifle. Play 11. I don't think we can any longer equate freedom with the unfettered right to own assault rifles. That is not freedom because I feel like a hostage right now. I feel like a hostage to the selfish people that insist on owning these types of weapons. That is not freedom in this country. You are not a patriot because you think you have the right to own these types of weapons. You are not a patriot. You should be uh, taking care of your fellow Americans. See how bizarre this is? You're, you're not a patriot if you own an assault rifle. There are millions of people who own assault rifles and are completely law-abiding and quite patriotic. And yet because one person makes the monstrous and, and evil decision to go and shoot a bunch of innocent people in a grocery store, now you're a bad person if you won't give up your rifle. You know, a, a lot of damage can be done with knives. I have a number of knives, including some more combat style knives. Uh, they don't threaten anyone. That's not a problem for anyone because I'm a moral law abiding person. So, no, I'm not going to give up my knives because someone in New York recently was stabbed to death outside of a housing project. You know, that that has nothing to do with me. I mean, the logic here is actually quite simple. Law abiding good people in possession of weapons are a threat to no one. Evil people getting these guns and using them is something that does occur. And there are plenty of laws that are already in place to try to make it harder. 
But there is no perfect security. We're going through this in so many different ways. And it's part, I think, of, of the leftist. And, and incre- increasingly, it does feel like they're, they're Bolsheviks. I mean, it feels like the Democrat left in this country, they're not close yet to, to getting a, a, communist, uh, a, a communist state. I understand that. But their mentality of absolutism and my way or else and whatever I have to do, whoever I have to destroy, it starts to feel a bit closer to the more extreme Marxists uh, of the past. It, it feels like they're willing to just say it doesn't matter what our rules, traditions and expectations are for each other. If I need to crush you, I will even over something that's rooted largely in hysteria and fear and not reason and fairness um you know the the selfishness of people owning assault rifles so this is an absurd statement but this is what you can expect from sonny hostin and many many others she is not herself somebody who stands on a national stage in front of everyone and claims to be a victim or related to a victim and that's another that's another series of uh of conversations that will be happening now there'll be people who because they suffered a personal tragedy or because they were uh, they lost someone they loved in a shooting. We have to listen to the policy dictates that they give us. And if you disagree with the policy dictate, what's the point? Is it that they've made such a compelling argument or is it that you're a bad person? Is it that you're somebody who doesn't care about dead children? This is what they said during Sandy Hook. If you didn't agree with the nationwide assault weapons ban that Barack Obama wanted very much and universal background checks and all these other things, magazine you know, limitations, which I mean, this is for anybody who understands firearms, which many of the loudest voices in opposition to firearms, many of the loudest voices calling for um, guns to be banned or calling for the laws to be changed know very little about them. That's a common thing. That's that's quite common, actually. Uh, but they don't really care. They almost show off their ignorance of guns and are happy about the fact that they can use emotion over reason to try to push people to taking actions on gun control measures. Or Notice they say gun violence. They're trying to stop gun violence. Why can't they just say that they want to take guns from people? They say they want to control guns. They don't like that term. They want to stop gun violence. They say, oh, okay, this is so much about propaganda and not about what will actually work. I don't want anyone to be harmed in this country. I don't want anyone getting shot. You don't want anyone getting shot. No innocent people getting shot. And yet when we look at this and we see that there are so many laws, there are so many regulations already in place and they are insufficient to stop all shootings. Obviously, what do they decide? There have to be more laws and there has to be more state control. And if you and if you're not okay with that, they'll put forward someone like Parkland dad, uh, Fred Gutenberg, who is now appearing publicly as he's he's now an advocate for a policy in the public sphere. Here's what he says. Play 12 states and cities across this country since Parkland have done amazing work to pass gun safety measures to protect the people in our communities across this country. And every time that's happened, the NRA has been there filing lawsuits to make us less safe. They are a terror organization that is making us less safe. You can't make up these things. I mean, literally six days ago, the NRA achieved its goal and they called it victory for Colorado. 
That's what they called it. And here we are, 10 people dead, including a police officer, because of what they believe was victory for Colorado. It is time to break the hold that that terror organization has on our legislators and on legislation. It is time to focus on this public health epidemic. It is time to work together to save lives. That is all that should matter right now. Public health epidemic. You caught that, right? Notice the connection that they make between what's going on right now where you have no choice you must obey because of COVID-19 and with gun control now because gun violence is a public health epidemic you see so is climate change that affects public health that affects our, our lives it's existential an existential threat there's there's no discussion about these things as far as they're concerned you will do what you are told you will do what they tell you to do or else or else they'll call you a terrorist organization They'll go after your funding. They'll ruin you. They'll make it impossible for you to pay your mortgage, feed your kids, go about your life. They'll destroy you, and maybe they'll lock you up, too. If they change these gun laws, they say that you can't have a magazine with more than 10 rounds. That usually comes with a kind of prohibition where they'll put you in a cell. They're going to lock you up because you have a 10-round magazine? Is that They think that's fair? That's just? It's absurd. But these are the kinds of laws they like to push. And if they're not willing to enforce those laws, then what's the point? You have to ask that question, too. If there's no penalty, it's not really a law. So they are willing to take a law-abiding person who's done nothing wrong, who refuses to hand over his semi-automatic rifle. They're willing to take that person and take away their freedom, make them a convicted felon, ruin their lives. Because they think, oh, we'll do this to millions and millions of people. Maybe it stops one shooting. It really does start to sound like a lot of the COVID policy that we've been, we've been through. Sure, it's not very effective. Sure, there's all kinds of loopholes and lockdowns and and there's essential workers and there's all these other stuff, you know, there's mask up between bites, all this stuff. But there's no amount of irritation, frustration that we can put you through that's too much if it saves just one life. That's what they'll tell you. If it saves just one life, that's all that is necessary to justify whatever infringement on your freedom. And it's not that it has saved or will save if it could if it could save one life, that's enough for a leftist in America today to justify any infringement upon your freedom they desire. And this is one of the reasons why I've been so concerned about how COVID policy and the mentality around it is going to bleed into the rest of society, is going to spread well beyond the area of public health. And I believe that it is possible, it has to be possible, that people agree that these slaughters have to stop. And this is, again, reject the false choice and stop pushing it for sure. Stop pushing the false choice that this means everybody's trying to come after your guns. That is not what we're talking about. No, no, they have no interest in doing that. They they don't speak longingly and with great affection about Australia's mandatory buyback program. They don't point to places like Japan where individual ownership of guns is almost impossible and basically doesn't exist. They don't point to those places and say, look how much better that would be. Why don't we do that here? No, 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 of course not. No, it's not like they've been taking an incremental approach to this for a very long time. And it's not like they even will take a step back and and admit and recognize that there are um, many, many laws in the books already about all these things. It's not like we have some society where, despite what they're telling you about how it's easier to 
buy a gun than to vote and all this. That's a lie. There are a lot of a lot of laws, a lot of regulations around gun purchases. I mean, I live in New York City, which is a place where they've effectively made gun ownership so onerous and so complicated as to be effectively banned. I mean, yeah, sure, you can get your premise permit, which will allow you to have a handgun in your home after you go through a six month long period. Now, I believe the wait is more like 18 months to two years because of, you know, the bureaucratic logjam over uh, as a result of all the covid stuff but you have to pay hundreds of dollars you have to keep renewing it every two years and you have to keep it in a lockbox with a trigger guard on it and separate ammunition in a different lockbox i mean the ammunition in a different lockbox and uh, you can't necessarily even take it out of the city you can take it to and from ranges that's what they tell you yeah that sounds like my second amendment rights that sounds like i'm really able to protect myself and and be a, an armed citizen uh so you know i i see how they do this and that's that's their preferred outcome and and of course you would look at this and say hold on a second there's still a lot of shootings in new york not as many as per capita as chicago and some other places but there are shootings that happen here haven't those people read the laws about how they have to go through a permitting process and don't they know about the lock on the trigger guard don't they know that they're breaking all kinds of rules and regulations and they could face prison time i doubt they think about that before they fire off, you know, 10 rounds into a crowded, uh, crowded park area uh, because they're having a drug dispute and they, you know, they hit a child. I, I don't think they're considering the latest legislation from the New York State Assembly about about guns and how they say it's going to protect lives. I think they don't care. I think we all know they don't care. And so here we are still being told that if only there were more laws, this would go away. There's a dishonesty here. There's a dishonesty because we had gun control in the 90s. We had the assault rifle, the so-called assault rifle ban. And there are still millions of assault rifles that are in circulation to this day. They're very rarely used in in uh, day to day crimes. And they're used mostly in these high profile mass shooting incidents. And. They banned them, so to speak, in the 90s. And, and uh, Joe Biden was a part of that. And it didn't result in the drop in violence that they said it would. It didn't result in people being safer. There are plenty of mass shootings that don't involve long guns, as you know. The Ford Hood shooter, Nidal Hassan, those were two pistols with extended clips, by the way. Uh, the Virginia Tech shooter was using uh, semi-automatic uh, pistols. I think one of them was like a, a Tech 9 type gun, but uh, you know he was not using a long gun. There have been plenty of mass shootings that did not involve long guns. So what do you what is really accomplished here? If somebody wants to go on a shooting spree and you say that they can't have a semi-automatic rifle, one, they could still achieve it possibly illegally. And two, a pistol or two will accomplish the exact same task. And, and what's what's really done? What, what, what does this really serve as a purpose? Well, it makes Democrats who are in a panic. It makes those Democrats who are in a panic and and who also want to control people feel like they're doing something. And that feeling of just doing something is very intoxicating to people who believe that the government believe that the state is uh, on their uh, this, The state is a tool for bringing about a utopian society. If only we give the state more power, if only we give the state more authority, we will be in a place where we don't have to worry anymore because they will protect us. That's been the thought about COVID the whole time, too. That's been the thought about all of this uh, that's been going on around us with the lockdowns, and it's wrong.
That's actually not how governments work. Uh, that's not how society works. That's not what history tells us. But this is a very deeply ingrained belief in people. They want to think that there is some higher power of the state, not of God, that is protecting them. And that's what we have to grapple with now when we're talking about what's going on with this gun control effort. It has been remarkable to see the shift in tone after the identity and some of the background information about this uh, this shooter came out. Initially, it was all about white supremacy, they told us. Uh, this was in the media. This was people who have prominent platforms. I know it wasn't everyone, but they were ready to report on this. And there certainly was that CNN clip from the initial hours afterwards where they wanted to establish very much the shooter was white. And there were all these people who were saying on social media, oh, another another white guy engaged in a mass shooting. This is what always happens, which, of course, is not true. Uh, it, it turns out that mass shootings are in general pretty uh, d- dispersed among the general population in terms of ethnicities. There are plenty of mass shooters who are of, of different ethnic backgrounds. If you go back and look at the real data and especially when you start to add in a shooting that involves three or four or more people as victims, uh, then all of a sudden it becomes a very uh, diverse group of perpetrators. But they initially wanted this to fit into a narrative because people are very they're very angry in this country right now. There are a lot of people who are very upset about what's going on around us, but they don't really know why. And they won't blame the government for taking away their freedom, separating them from loved ones and all of that. No, they'd rather take the position that it's Donald Trump's fault still or something like that. And as you know, if you've tried to share your political opinions on social media lately, it's really hard to have a civil conversation. But luckily, there's caucusroom.com. This is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucus Room is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally. Only real people who are verified conservatives can become caucus room members. The caucus room will never share your information with anyone ever. The sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the biggest difference locally. At caucus room, you can participate in live virtual meetings that are so secure, the platform played host to over a dozen virtual Republican Party conventions this year. Also, share news, jokes, and find ways to get involved with caucuses near you without the fear of Silicon Valley overlords stopping you. Caucus Room is made by conservatives for conservatives to get organized and make a difference. Join the Buck Sexton listeners group on caucusroom.com. That's right. There's a Buck Sexton listeners group on caucusroom.com. Just go to C-A-U-C-U-S-R-O-O-M.com, caucusroom.com, to interact with other listeners in the Buck Sexton listeners group at caucusroom.com, just like you. Asha, how about that? I mean, how onerous would it be to have a gun shop owner just say, by the way, are you hearing voices? Do you ever hear anybody? Do you think people are chasing you? Do you think everybody's watching you? I mean, that it, it would have weeded out, possibly, this guy. Well, Allison, I, I, I completely agree with, with the concerns that you're mentioning, but based on the law, even asking those questions wouldn't, wouldn't allow a buyer to prevent the purchase, uh, at least under federal law. I mean, how much dumber is the national conversation from the uh, Democrat media going to get here? Here you have a, a, an anchor on TV saying, how onerous would it be to have a gun shop owner just say, by the way, are you hearing voices? Do you think people are chasing you? Basically, why don't we have gun shop owners 
ask everybody who buys a gun, are you crazy? Now, even for people who have mental illness, even for people who are uh, who have made the choice to be evil. And I think that is a choice that people can make. I think it is a choice that many people have made. Uh, they're generally sly enough that when they're going through that process of purchasing a weapon, uh, they're not going to say, I see pink elephants flying in the sky, and that's why I want to buy this rifle so I can shoot them. They generally will not do that. Even even in the one in a million circumstance of somebody who's trying to legally purchase a firearm to use it for uh, for this kind of awful purpose of, of murder, of mass murder, uh, they're, they're not actually going to say, yes, I'm crazy, but sell me the gun anyway. This may come as a shock to uh, Miss Camerata over at CNN. And again, I, I don't. I don't like to be mean about any of this stuff. When people are saying these dumb things, I say they're dumb just because I think it's necessary that we understand what the truth is. I, I say that these are bad ideas because I think it's harmful and I think it's it's not good for us. And these are just unintelligent positions that are that are being taken by people who don't know very much about these issues. But this is about the emotion in these moments and the politics around them. I mean, here's Kamala Harris uh, saying that the point here is, well, you know what she's going to say. You just got to do something. Play three. Congress needs to act. And, and on the House side, they did. There are two yeah. bills which the president is prepared to sign. And so we need the Senate to act. And this is going to be about your viewers and all of us pleading um, to, to the reason, pleading to the hearts and minds of the people in the United States Senate to say enough with the partisanship, enough with the ideological perspective on this. Let's just be practical and agree. People who have been found to be a danger to themselves and others should not be able to purchase. But, so but, what will the Biden administration do? We keep hearing about executive action. What does that mean, Madam Vice President? What it means is that we need to take action. But, but Gail, let's be clear about this. There is the piece about executive action. But if we pass legislation, it's permanent. If, we, if, we, if the Congress acts, then it becomes law. And that is what we have lacked. That is what has been missing. We need universal background checks. You know, various states have done it. But there's no universal approach to this. And so what ends up happening, people can move from one state to another depending on what the law yeah. is we need to have a federal standard and that is going to be accomplished by the way we have structured our democracy when the united states congress acts the house has acted now it's in the hands of the senate does anyone really think universal background checks are going to save lives really they, they believe that they they don't understand uh the the democrats don't understand that what's going on here is essentially the repeat of a conversation we've had many times before, and they want it to sound as reasonable as possible. This is why they'll say common sense, gun control. If it's so common sense, you don't need to call it common sense. You know, it's like what Thatcher said about being a lady. If you have to say you are one, you're not. You know, if, if gun control measures are so obvious, yes, I, I think it's I, I think it is fair to say that, you know, you, you shouldn't be able to buy a backpack, you know, thermonuclear device, right? I, I think it's fair to say that you, you shouldn't, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be selling military-grade C4 at the corner drugstore. I, I get it. There are some things where people would say it's not in common usage, it's not necessary for the defense of yourself, your home, and, and to be able to defend yourself in some meaningful capacity. 
Right? I mean, this is what the Heller decision in, in uh, the Supreme Court took up some years ago now addressed that even at the American found even at the, the American founding, when you know, people were allowed to have muskets and we always get in this conversation, what was acceptable then? Scalia wrote something about how walking around with a headsman's axe is weird and maybe that's not OK. And maybe that's a re- regulation we can have. You don't have to have that. That's a little bit dangerous. You know, having a flamethrower, I think, is, yeah, that's a problem. You don't need a flamethrower to defend your home, although some of you I know are saying, Buck, I've, I've already got a flamethrower. But in general, I don't think you need these things. Um, and I know that then they'll say, well, Buck, they say you don't need an AR-15. Yeah, but w- when they when you actually get into it, a firearm is, you know, firearms that are in common usage that are um, are are basically a part now of what American gunners across the country have and depend on and and honestly this is just the musket of today that's what the expectation is you know it's not that everybody gets to have a stinger missile and and i know that they'll say well you don't need an ar-15 yeah but an ar-15 is really very there's very little difference between that and a standard hunting rifle it's just a function of the cosmetics and and perhaps uh you know folding stock a few it depends we're talking there's a lot of different guns out there but what we see is this desire to take action. What we see is this this decision uh, that they have to do something irrespective of whether it will actually have a positive impact, uh, irrespective of whether it will actually achieve the 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 goal. And this is a government that I do not believe has should have any leeway to infringe upon rights because they say, oh, we promise this time we'll 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 be uh, more fair in how we do this. We promise this time we're not going to abuse the power. I mean, we've had the government now in different states shutting down people's ability to open their businesses, to go to work, to go to church. There have been extreme infringements upon liberty and upon freedom that have come from all of this. So I I do think it's necessary. I do think it's important to understand that we've been conditioned now. Our our country, our society has been conditioned. uh, Many people have at least to just accept whatever the state says as though it's gospel, as though there's no reason to push back. There should be no uh, no need for debate. They have your best interests at heart. Um, and, and if you disagree with this, they'll tell you that you're a, as you know, a bad person. Just a, a quick note for all of you. If I sound a little bit um, a little bit off today, I apologize. I am quite sick, but I wanted to do the show today and, and get through it. So don't think I'll, I'll be all right, but I'm uh, not feeling well. And so I'm, I'm doing the show at home. It's just me and Tallulah here, the French bulldog. But I wanted you all to know that if, if it sounds different today or if I sound at all foggy to you, it's because uh, I'm pushing through. But you should know that you're not getting the you're not getting a, a healthy buck right now. You're getting kind of buck trying to do his best to just keep it all going my voice is pretty shot my throat's pretty messed up but i'll uh i'll keep i'll keep it going and and that means looking at some more of the debates and some more of the pushback that we have from people on the democrat side of this now because they're they're wanting to take action and i think there's a chance they may do something that even the obama administration would have been unwilling to uh to go for they would have been unwilling to push as far well, it's kind of two parts. I mean, one, I do think we need to rediscover in our K through 12 system 
the founding of the country. What makes the country unique? Our Constitution, our founding fathers, some of the great figures throughout our history, whether it's a Lincoln or an MLK or a Reagan winning the Cold War. Uh, but when you do that, it's got to be true and solid and factual. And you can't let it become infected with left-wing ideology like critical race theory. Critical race theory is basically teaching people to hate our country, hate each other. It's divisive. And it's basically an identity politics version of Marxism. So I don't think it has any place in the classroom. Certainly shouldn't be funded by tax dollars. So as we're doing this bold civics initiative, which is important, I think people like that. But I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, okay, they better be teaching the right stuff. So we're going to have a depoliticized curriculum. We're not going to let that stuff in there. And I think that that's going to serve students well in the state of Florida for years to come. Governor Ron DeSantis giving an excellent, excellent, excellent explanation for what's going on here. And uh, this is the he's the most important Republican office holder in the country right now in terms of the, the message, in terms of the results he's had from the covid lockdowns I mean, he he more than anyone else has really been able to to hold the line and to speak actual truth to power against the consensus with so many of these things i know he's the governor but he's has to he has to take on the democrat machinery he has to take on the mainstream media coming after him with everything that they've got and i think eventually people realize that you know this this is what we need we actually need republicans who can make and who are making the case um, because the things are going to get things are going to get worse in this regard. I mean, the the uh, issues that you're seeing coming up now where when there's a mass shooting, all of a sudden there's this impulse on the left to blame white males, blame white men. They're the problem. Uh, that's that should be really disconcerting to everybody that now the very first thing that happens when there's a mass shooting uh, like this is that. A portion of America wants to point the fi- point a finger at at basically a, a, another very large portion of America and make this somehow their fault, their responsibility without any facts and evidence, without knowing anything. And uh, this is the the focus of this Biden administration. It's amazing is that the Biden administration is all about uh, we hear all about racial justice and things along those lines, social justice. I mean, Joe Biden is the oldest, whitest guy you could ever find anywhere, right? I mean, Joe Biden is this is a a guy who's almost 80, who you know loves playing golf at the country club, uh, who's from Delaware. I mean, this is not a guy who anybody would think of as some kind of ra- racial justice uh, warrior at all. But nonetheless, that's what the administration uh, seems to be taking on as 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 an important part of their agenda. Uh, Democrats like uh, Senators Tammy Duckworth of Illinois and Maisie Hirono of Hawaii have said things even going as far as that all Biden nominees who are not racial minorities, they said this just uh, yesterday, uh, will not get through. That Biden can't nominate senior government to senior government positions, people who are not racial minorities. They said they'll only vote for a white nominee if the nominee is LGBTQ. So if you're not a racial minority or a member of the LGBTQ community, here you had two senators who were saying they will not vote for you. I mean, I that's racist, right? I mean, we understand this. Like that's we we've gone to that point now where we're actually punishing people who are white 
for their skin color. And, and that's what they were. These are United States senators. Now, they've since backed off of that. They've they've changed their position. But the fact that they would even feel comfortable saying that at all is is uh, stunning, honestly. But that's where we've gone now as a society. That's what we find ourselves uh, dealing with. That's what we are in the midst of. Um, and we need to call it out and say why it's problematic. We need to tell everybody what what the issues are with dividing us by race in this way. I know I had said uh, I had said before, guys, that I'm I'm not really feeling well. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm fading a little bit, and uh, it's uh, it's it's not not easy to get through today. So again, I I apologize so much for those of you who are listening who are wondering why I don't sound like a normal buck. It's because I am I am not well right now, um, and I'm gonna have to investigate you know what I can do to try to get better as soon as possible. But we do have uh, Governor Scott Walker here, former Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin, coming up to talk to us about a plan that he has to push back against some of this left-wing madness. So stick around for that. It is amazing how much the left controls the institutions of communication, of culture uh, in this country, and the way that they've been able to seize through their dominance of Silicon Valley, seize control of the Internet is one of those things that this is going to take a long time for us to fight back against. I mean, people are talking about antitrust law and, and and breaking them up as monopolies i think that's a good start but that's just that's just the beginning of what's going to have to be a much longer term uh challenge here because they're they're not ever going back now that they've told us who they are now that these social media companies and these internet uh, these internet giants have shown us what their politics really are there's there's no way they're going to say you know what you're right and also even if they told us they're willing to play fair and be moderate they're not going to do that they're not actually going to say you know what we're uh we're going to do it and then you can trust them how, how could you trust them and the fact is these internet companies uh aren't going to be trustworthy and, and also the internet in general never forgets and there's never been a more important time to protect your internet activity and that's why i'm telling you you've got to get express vpn everything you search for watch or click online can be tracked by big tech companies they can match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When I switch on ExpressVPN on my computer or phone, my IP address is masked by a server with a secure VPN, which makes it harder for websites to identify me. Okay, The ExpressVPN app also encrypts my network data to protect my sensitive information from being compromised. You can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously, so multiple users on your network can stay safe with a single subscription. Uh, so stop handing over your data to big tech companies. Do what I do. Use ExpressVPN for online protection you can trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck to get three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck to get three extra months free. Expressvpn.com slash buck right now to learn more. We often talk to you about the problems on this show that the country faces from cancel culture and from the leftist domination of institutions. Well, let's start to talk about how we can fix things. Let's actually talk about solutions as well. And to that end, we're joined by the former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. He is with us now to talk about a program I think you want to hear about called The Long Game. Governor Walker, great to have you, sir. Thanks for calling in. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be with you as well. We're excited. Tell us about the long game, this 12-point action plan to fight back against an intolerant liberal agenda. 
Sounds good to me. Yeah, you know, the left has been at this for decades. Sometimes we, we look at this chaos of the last year, not only on college campuses, but in culture and increasingly in communications with the censorship from big tech and think, well, how do we get here? Well, this this started by the left back decades ago. You know, Saul Linsky in the 60s, they've moved their way, they've accelerated it. And so what we're proposing is not only to be engaged in the battles of the day, but to have really to win the war for the heart and soul of our republic. And it really requires uh, unbelievable action. I'll give you a good example. Young America's Foundation, YF, where I'm at right now, just starting as a new leader, has been involved, um, historically been involved all across the country. But they, we support students on about 2,000 campuses across the nation. That's great. That, that's one of the largest reaches of any conservative organization out there. But it's not enough. There are 4,000-plus colleges and universities across America. Our long-game plan says we're going to be on all of them. We're not just going to be on undergraduate programs. We're going to be in community and technical colleges where people are getting two-year associate degrees. We're not just going to be in college. We're going to be in high school and junior high, and we're needed. We're even going to provide materials for students and families, even in you know, the, the later elements of elementary school. Why? Because the left is there. They're engaging earlier. They're trying to engage in indoctrination of our young people. We've got to counter it. And the reason they're trying to cancel us now more than ever is because our ideas work. And we need to get it to more young people to show that it works and get them on the right track. So the 12-point the action plan, take me through some of the, some of the specific steps. Yeah, well, in addition to getting on every campus, uh, we've got, for, for example, we've got uh, the largest speakers, uh, conservative speakers group in the country on college campuses. We're going to dramatically increase that. We're not only going to increase that in person, but we found this past year during the pandemic that, that actually students came in droves to our, our YouTube site, which, by the way, you wouldn't pick this up from most of the media, but that YouTube is the number one place that young people get their information, not Twitter, not Facebook, not Instagram, overwhelmingly by YouTube. And so we want to have 5 million subscribers to our, our what's called uh, YAF TV, our YouTube channel, and have 1 billion, that's a billion with a B, 1 billion views of the programs we provide. And what students we found really a positive uh, finding for us is that they crave content. They don't just want you know, flash in the pan. They don't just want bumper stickers or memes in their case. They want to hear from speakers, but particularly they want to hear speakers who are on campus and, and out in the in culture, out in society, taking tough questions from liberals and responding to it in kind. I think not only do students want that, I think all the rest of us uh, want more examples of that because the left is trying to make us feel isolated. They're trying to make us feel alone. And so for us to have a, a presence on every campus, to have more speakers, more programs, more conferences, more ways to bring people the truth, and then once they hear it, to bring them together to show that they're not alone, that there's so many more people that think like they do uh, than they ever dreamed or imagined. We have to do that. And another big element of the long game is we got to do that sooner. Ronald Reagan, uh, when, when he ran for president in 1980, I was 12 years old. I know what an influence he was on me, not just as a conservative, but as an optimist. We need to reach people that age or younger. And we definitely have to offset the nonsense like the 1619 Project and all the talk, even in elementary school, about teaching our students to hate America, to hate our founders. We needed to counter that with part of our, our long game plan is one element is it to actually go and provide not only students but parents uh, the information, materials they need to counter that, to talk about the greatness of our founding principles, 
how iconic our founders were, and to reinforce the value of Judeo-Christian values that our country was founded on. We can do all this and more, but we, we need to engage. That's why people want a free copy of it. Go to yaf.org slash longgame. We'll get you a free copy. We'll get you engaged in these efforts. And please help us recruit young people to, to be a part of our programs, to come to our conferences, to get engaged now more than ever. It's important. We're speaking to uh, former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. Uh, and Scott, I, I want to know what you think of what we've seen uh, from the Biden administration so far, because it, it seems to many of us, uh, I would certainly put myself in this category, that we were told that Joe Biden would be something of a moderate, that Joe Biden would be a guy who would uh, rein in some of the more radical impulses of the left within the Democrat Party. That doesn't seem to be what we've seen so far, and especially with the border crisis unfolding now as it has, uh, I think a lot of people are feeling like there was a, a, a switch made of some kind here, or that there was a there was a head fake involved. What, what do you see going on with the Biden administration thus far? Well, I warned last, uh, last uh, summer going into the DNC convention, which was supposed to be in Milwaukee in my backyard, I warned that I felt that once uh, Joe Biden put Kamala Harris on the ticket, he had effectively outsourced his agenda to the radical left. Remember, as, as pleasant, as nice as she appears to many in the public, her voting record, according to Newsweek, was actually more liberal, more radical than even Bernie Sanders. Hard to believe a running mate on any major ticket would be that far to the left, but she was. And I think you see that reflected uh, in the people he's surrounded with and the policies he put in place over the last two months. It is about as far away as you can get from from moderate or mainstream uh, anyone ever dreamed of. And that's because he's just he's not in charge. He's, and I'm not even commenting on, on his mental status. It's just this is Joe Biden, a guy who ran three times to be president. He will do and say anything to be in office. And so what he's effectively done is given the agenda to, the, to Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders and AOC. And the border is a classic example of that. Not only is it bad public policy, it's tragic it, what's happening to these children, the idea that these kids are, are, are their families are sending them here. The, the, the leader of Mexico just yesterday pointed out that this is because of Joe Biden's policies. This is not, you know, you or me or anybody else in the right in America saying it. The president of Mexico is saying this. Why? Because the reality is, of course, when, when you tell people you're reversing the policies of the prior administration, when you're basically all but giving up a signal for open borders, we have chaos there, and it's only going to get worse because it's not just a border crisis. Uh, this is only going to get worse as they push more of these individuals into our society without any regard for where they're coming from. And, and I don't mean people from Mexico. Uh, I've been down at the border before with Governor Greg Abbott in Texas and with others in, in, in Arizona and California in the past. The biggest concern I have is not for you know people coming over to want to work here. The biggest concern is the terrorists that want to come in through our southern border, uh, the people involved in trafficking of humans, of trafficking of drugs, of trafficking of firearms. This is a public safety and national security risk, and this president has completely boggled it up. And it's a good example why we've got to be engaged, not just in today's battle, but we've got to be thinking ahead so we don't continue to make those mistakes in the future, which, again, is why we're involved in the long game. And uh, Governor Walker, one more thing before they should go. The you came to national prominence when you were the governor of Wisconsin for taking on public sector unions. What what do you see and what do you think about when when these uh, public uh, public sector unions with the teachers unions 
are coming up with ever more creative ways to explain why they are essential workers, but who should not actually have to go into the classroom and do their jobs even after uh, vaccinations in some cases. Yeah, you're not an essential worker if you can't show up when it's essential. In Fairfax County, Virginia, the teachers and administrators there literally jumped the line uh, ahead of uh, people who might have had higher risk, uh, jumped the line and then turned around and said, nope, we're not going to go to school anyway. Uh, This is absolutely outrageous. I would say it's the union bosses and the political powers that be. It is not the everyday teacher. Two of my wife's best friends are teachers. They are sick and tired of being on Zoom. They want to be with their kids. They know their kids are suffering. They're not only suffering academically, they are personally suffering uh, overwhelmingly. For all this talk in the last year about science, the science shows that students and staff can safely be in our schools and that the science increasingly, tragically, is showing uh, that our students are facing high levels of depression, and in many cases even to the verge of suicide rates going up, We've got to get back in the school. We've got to that's a key part of reopening the economy. And the last thing I'll just say with that is I think it ties into, again, this long game plan. There's a huge divide in America. It's not right and left. It's not even pro-Trump or anti-Trump. It is blue collar and white collar. So many people in white collar jobs who could Zoom the work and their kids could be in the next room just bought into all this oppressive pushback on locking down our states and our cities. The people in blue-collar jobs, the people who have to show up for work every day or they don't get paid and they don't make the mortgage, they and their children, and those are the children we need to reach out to or are in college and in high school and younger ages, we need to tell them that we, conservatives, were the ones who stood with their families about getting them back on their feet again and working again and getting them back to school. The radicals on the left who want to concentrate power and who buy into the union bosses, the teachers' unions, they were the ones who kept things shut down. We need to stand with the working men and women of America and their children. And that, I think, is a key part of the long game as well. Former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, everybody. Scott, thank you so much for your time, sir. Hope you come back. Thank you. Be well and keep fighting for freedom. Hey, Team Buckets, producer Mark. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news here, but Buck will not be able to continue today's show. As you could hear, he is quite ill. Don't worry about him. His health's going to be okay. He just needs some rest. But that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you the rest of the week. Shields high.